Hello and welcome to Behind the Counter at the Fly Fisher, a series that aims to give you guys an insight as to what's going on behind the scenes at the shop. Come along for some shop talk, fishing reports and general fly fishing banter. Hello and welcome back to Behind the Counter. I'm joined with Andrew, Max and Ross again and Forbes is back this week. Say hello Forbes. Hello there. Uh, you're back from some travels. Uh, yeah, I certainly am. I've uh, been away. I've I've enjoyed myself, and now now I'm now back in the pits. Um, <laughs> so they're they're working me like a dog. Um, in the, and the pits, can you just elaborate a little further on in, that, mate? In in the pits, back here at the Fly Fisher, they've got me out here um, working away, working up a sweat. Do you um, mean like the trenches or what? Or is being in the trenches the pits? I'm well, trying to are we talking about the coal pits or something? <laughs> I think what I was the going for pits. was the trenches, but I went for how I'm feeling rather than where I am. And, and, oh. and so we're in the pits. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. It's, it's good to be back and looking forward to this. It's bizarre to hear you doing an introduction, Peter. Yeah, I figured I'd do some work around here for once. Uh, so I figured I could, you know... Get yep. going on the podcast. And maybe you more. could teach Forbes your lesson. Yeah, you haven't done any work today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what I really loved about your introduction, though, Peter, was that you counted yourself in. Did you notice that? <laughs> Three, <laughs> Three, two, one, and... <laughs> <laughs> Lights, camera, action. <laughs> that was good, mate. You do you. Um, so we'll try to stick with the normal schedule a little bit. Um, we've still got some continuing sales, Andrew. I believe it's schedule. It's actually run sheet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so sales. Sales. Oh, you want me to do yeah, sales? Yeah, you do some speaking. Uh, actually, I reckon Roscoe should do sales because it was his genius idea. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, oh. Well, I'll get the phone. <laughs> yeah, I'll get yeah. it. Classic form. <laughs> this uh, Just when it quietens down and you think, you know, all right, now, now's the time where we can crack a beer and get into this uh, run sheet podcast and uh, the phone rings. Uh, thanks for calling. Um, but yeah, Roscoe, you've uh, been, you came up with a great idea today, didn't you? Well, we did mention it in the last podcast, we did. actually. Yeah. But was, we finalised it and got it kind of sorted. Yeah. Yeah. So talk us through it. What is it? Um, so they're mystery boxes of uh, run out Tywell fly tying gear. Not all of it's run out, some of it's current range, uh, or most of it's current range, but just old stuff that we had at the Tywell factory. I think we have spoken about this before. But basically, um, there's three, oh, there's four different types of boxes. We've got a $25, a $50, and a $100 box. In the $25 box, you get well over $100 worth of gear. Retail, well over $100. In the $50 box, you get well over $200 worth of gear. And in the um, $100 box, you get you know well over $400, probably even closer to $600 worth of gear. And we're also doing a dedicated saltwater box, so salt bigger hooks for saltwater flies, um, diamond braid, sparkle braid, sparkle flashes, uh, streamer fibre streamer hairs um just for really for salt water flies so the other three are kind of maybe a bit of everything there's definitely stuff you can tie salt water flies with um but yeah more smaller hooks up to maybe a size 10 eights four stuff like that would be the biggest and then in the salt water box it's kind of you know one o's two o's you know fours stuff like that gold and it, it, I mean, I saw you putting them together. It looked like you're being pretty generous, pretty heavy-handed as you bag the stuff up, aren't you? Yeah, well, I kind of had a bit of a budget, I guess. Uh, you know, you're going to put, you know, $100 worth of stuff in there. It's blown out massively, so y- you're getting way more than you think you're going to get. And a, and a real mix. It looked like there were some naturals and synthetics, hooks. There were some tools going in, I saw that, some yep. fly-tying tools. TMCO hooks, TMCO tools, uh, bobbin threaders, bobbins, um uh, hair packers, uh, yeah, all sorts of stuff going in there. And it's gone up online for, you know, only a few hours and quite a few of the boxes have already been sold. There's a lot of gear, so, yeah, don't worry that we're going to sell out, but we probably will sell out of some material. But, um, yeah, it's it's a mixed bag for sure. And, Max, with a past in fashion and us taking over your space for clothing displays, mm-hmm. you're pretty keen to reclaim that space, aren't you? So it probably won't last forever, this fly tying No, I'm pushing, yes, pushing for this to, um, to come to a wonderful end very, very soon uh, with these wonderful bargains and then we can have an open space again within the store and merchandise <laughs> and display a premium products. Not that the fly tying stuff isn't premium, it's all premium. 
but uh, display um, our merchandise in a way which is befitting to this wonderful store. <laughs> and the clothing range is just ever expanding, isn't it? With new, new colours, new designs, and models from um, from the likes of Sims and Orvis. So a lot of uh, good fresh stuff, you know. We've got yeah. a lot of that rep your water stuff as well. Yeah. Yep. Michael Hurran's uh, bringing in that that stuff, and that range seems to be expanding and really cool casual wear, isn't it, for fly fishing? It look, it's it's great gear. It's 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 affordable. It's practical, um, and it's uh, dare I say, fashionable. Yeah, represent. You know, yeah. like it's kind of cool, isn't it, to know that you can look at someone and say, "Oh, he's a fly fisher. We'll get along." Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um. So, what's what's next, guys? What are we new new products? And we've got quite a lot this week. We do, yeah. It was funny because we kind of when we were talking about it, it's like, oh, what's new? And then we all had mental blank for a bit, and then it was just one boom, after boom, the boom. other. Yeah. There's heaps. There's heaps. Mm. Just every week, new stuff turns up, um, which is probably what keeps it exciting for us in a way, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And mm. then. Um, we had, oh, I had a bit of inspiration. So we had a loaded tippet stack arrive from uh, Scientific Anglers. So it is a tippet holder with, uh, I think, two to five X tippet spools on there. So we decided we'd do a fly fishers one. Um, so we're using the Stonefoe tippet bars, which can be vertically or horizontally mounted with fluorocarbon instead of mono. Um, and it's around the same price. Um, so, yeah, you can get some really premium gear. We've discounted that a little bit. Um, yeah, so if you are getting into fly fishing for the first time or you need to refresh some tippet that might have seen a bit too much UV, um, yeah, why not save a lot of money and a lot of time and buy the whole lot together? Get the bulk package. Yeah, the bulk package. All premium stuff too. Like it's not, um, it does. You know, it's available on the counter twenty four seven. Plus, it's just been boxed up by us here, ready for you to fish it straight away. And those Stonfo tippet holders have been super popular, haven't they? They're one of the better ones. Yeah, for sure. And um, obviously, we get those in bulk, but um, supplies a bit dwindling lately. It has been, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's two big, I guess, split rings on the. They're swivels, aren't they? Yeah, like a heavy duty swivel. Yeah. On either end, so you can orient, like on a on a chest pack, for instance, they work really well, um, where you can suspend them horizontally uh, and see the different diameters from looking straight down, um, or you can just suspend them vertically, which is probably the easier way to secure them to your pack or vest. Yeah, no, a couple of um, great uh, mounted options. The scientific angler one only um, is like a uh, like a D shape. It's like a big D bar with all the tippet on the on the straight bit, um, and you can still uh, mount that horizontally or vertically as well. Yeah, cool. And um, that's not the only new thing from scientific anglers. No, Peter, do you want to talk to us about the new Euro? It's leaders. This, this packet here. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that phone call's got my head spinning. Um, yeah, so Scientific Anglers have released a new solution to people that don't want to buy a full Euronymphing line, and it's a f- basically a 30-foot-long Euronymph leader with a tippet ring at the one end and a loop at the other, so you just loop it onto the fly line, your existing fly line, and you've basically got a Euronymphing setup. It's got a cider on the end for Euronymphing, of course, um, and it's great, forty nine ninety five, and it'll get you on the river. Great if you don't want to dip your toe all the way in to the Euronymphing world and see if you like it. Yeah. You could use that on a Euronymph setup too if you prefer the longer leader. Yeah, if you prefer a 30-foot long leader, definitely. Yeah. So I guess some people have the opinion that the leader going all the way back onto the rod maybe gives you better feel on your flies. Yeah, I think that's the case. I mean, unless you use like a braided uh, monofilament fly line, obviously you're getting a lot less stretch um, and so you get more feel. Um, but yeah, there's obviously a few advantages to using a longer leader. I think I like the idea of using a fly line. It's kind of what, you know, means that it's fly fishing at the end of the day, doesn't it? You know, like you kind of, mm. I don't know, it almost feels a bit dirty to have just mono <laughs> mono going yeah. all the way through i'd feel a bit too much like a maybe a spin fisherman but um th- it's definitely a deadly way to fish just having that that non-stretch and and lack of sag all the way back onto the reel so um, it works yeah it might be a golden um bit of a bullet for early season especially if you've got that much water around at the moment and you want to fish deep if a 20 foot uh leader's not getting you where you need to be the 30 foot one might do the job yeah. Just, just about to say the same thing. I think with the rivers uh, high and possibly staying high for, for a while, maybe there could be that little bit of an advantage. 
Yeah, for early season, with Definitely. a with a with a try. Nothing like a squirmy worm on the end of a Euro nymphing leader. <laughs> Absolute deadly technique. Spoken like a true squirmy worm master. <laughs> Max's favourite fly. Yeah. <laughs> the two inch pink net. Yeah. <laughs> We've increased the um, poly leader range from Vision as well, right? Yeah. Yep. They do some great. Uh, poly leaders in what it's just the trout ones we've got at the moment, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, three different types, I think. I think we've got like an intermediate, or maybe a floating, maybe like a sink three and like a sink five, or something like that. I think they call them slow, fast, or something. There's three different types, right, Max? Yeah, three. I think there's a three, five, five, seven, and uh, and I think a floating as well. Yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, a bit of selection there in poly leaders if you're wanting to optimize. Your uh, adaptability with a floating line. Yeah. And they're not that bad to cast. There's this misconception that they're terrible to cast, but they work. Obviously not as well as, you know, a sinking fly line. That's you know, one piece rather than having piece. that connection. Yeah, there, that yeah. loop. But you barely notice it, especially flinging around big flies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, talking a bit about flies, uh, Max, you finally got to the end of that fulling mill order. You got it all out. Got it all out. And there's been two other huge orders that have come through uh, <laughs> since, uh, including today. So we're hatching here at the fly fish, let me tell you. There are flies everywhere. So, look, we're fully stocked. It's actually wonderful to see because there's nothing worse than seeing, uh, you, know, you know, wanting a particular fly and you, and you can't get it. So today we received uh, some um, uh, fantastic uh, orange and black spinners and various other things. But what uh, I'm excited about is um, is a wonderful little old-fashioned fly that uh, has come come back in Max back being, into fashion. Being somewhat of a traditionalist, we, we some might say almost a purist. <laughs> <laughs> It's a little Tom Jones, uh, but it's got a wonderful gold uh, wrap around it, and it, it just it just looks it looks fishy, it looks sexy. I think it's going to catch a lot of fish. It does, doesn't it? Um, I reckon it could be that like darker olive color as well. There's something about I don't know. It's quite light olive in that dubbing that's on it, isn't it? This is the dark. This is dark. Oh, yeah, sorry. Dark. I was looking. This at is that. an index fly, which yeah, we're going to talk it, about yeah. next. Yeah. But as far as a, you, you do see a, a, quite a bit of variety in Tom Jones ties, mm. and a lot of them are just done with the standard uh, olive rabbit or kangaroo, or uh, I think it was traditionally wallaby. Um, but this one in particular is a really nice, deep, dark olive, like a dark fly on a dark day. That's going to be really good. Yeah. 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 But it probably also means that it's going to get eaten. Equally well as, I guess, a mayfly, a stick caddis, um, a smelt. Uh, it's a bit more of an each way bet yeah. rather than just being a, a plain yeah. olive, a bit more one dimensional, damsely yeah. look. Definitely. Definitely, the, definitely a great colour. That, that dark olive um, you know, is uh, very, very uh, successful in lakes and streams. And that, that Tom Jones pattern, just, you know, as you say, a classic. And, you know, we still have customers coming in saying they're doing. Great work with it, and we even had one today coming in and saying, "This is look at this little fly I've been tying up." It was a it was a Tom Jones variation. He was saying he was absolutely killing it with it. So, yeah, really yeah, very effective. It was, um, yeah, and he uh, nice to get a gift from a customer too, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll have him You've got there's no, a hint, guys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> bring your flies in. We will <laughs> happily accept. We love originals. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, we also have a new fly called the Index Fly, which is basically an unweighted Magoo pattern with a bit of BMS in it. Is that how you describe uh, it? Fuzzle bugger kind of-ish, I guess, as well. Bit of, a, bit of both. This is great listening to. Yeah. You don't I, think it looks I, like Okay, what is it, Andrew? Go well, on. I'm, <laughs> I'm cheating a bit because I've, I read Christopher Bassano's description of this fly, it being the man that developed it um, down there in Tasmania and available through the Mayfly Tackle uh, custom range of flies. Um, but it's a damsel. It was tied as a damsel. Um, but, yeah, the, I guess, teased-out BMS blend in the body there is... Uh, it just looks sexy, doesn't it? Look, it does. And the funny thing about flies like that is that you look at them as we're looking at it now, you're holding the fly and it's obviously, you know, dry, as in it's not wet. 
it's when it's in the water that uh, it, it takes a whole new different meaning and life and shape and movement. Yeah. And I, I can just visualise that as, as looking very, very natural in the water. It's unweighted, so it doesn't have a bead, as a Tom Jones that we just talked about. Um, I've got a bit of a bit of a preference uh, at times, unless I need to. I mean, I, I like using unweighted flies. I'm happy to be patient and wait for the fly to sink naturally, rather than be assisted by a bead, unless I'm fishing deeper water, of course. Uh, so I'm happy to count to ten and fifteen, um, let the fly sink naturally, and then start the slow, slow retrieve. And I find I catch probably a, a higher percentage of fish on unweighted flies than weighted. But that's me personally. I'm happy to be patient. And I think unweighted flies can have a very, very natural motion in the water. So it's something to consider. Uh, it's, it's always wonderful to cast out a beaded fly, a beaded, you know, woolly bugger or whatever it is. You may be fishing bull and mirai and, uh, you know, in 10 metres of water you want to get it down quickly. So obviously fish a heavy fly, but otherwise give um, you know give unweighted flies a go. Yeah, it's it, it's funny how we can uh, be so we can analyze this stuff to the nth degree. But at the end of the day, I reckon what matters is having your fly in the water for a longer period of time, and fishing a slow retrieve like that with an mm. unweighted fly, it is just super effective. Mm. Um, the other point I, I, I want to make on this is that in uh, colder water temperatures, the fish might be a bit more lethargic and move slower and maybe not be uh, as responsive to an aggressive moving fly such as the way you'd fish a beadhead or a weighted woolly bugger. Um, so, yes, yeah, slowing everything down mm. in, through the winter months, for me personally, really does make a difference. And okay. also fishing an unweighted fly with a weighted fly in a team is really an effective way to do it as well because you've got both presentations in the water. Definitely. No, good point, Peter. Um, but yeah, on the subject of flies, without going on too too much about flies, the, the other thing we had turn up in the fulling mill order is a great new range of blobs and fabs. Forbesy, you learnt what a fab is today. Absolutely, I did. <laughs> um, so I've spent all day putting uh, blobs and fabs and boobies and all sorts of things on the Flyfisher website. So go give that a go, give that a look. Um, boobies on the Flyfisher website now. <laughs> we are officially R-rated now. We're, yeah, we're, we're branching out. We're branching parental, out. Parental permission required. <laughs> um, Thanks for your contributions too, Max. <laughs> Oops. Um, yeah, no. So the the fab being a foam assed blob. Um, so I think a lot of people will be familiar with the blob. Um, you know, what, what that is, who knows? Does it catch fish? It certainly does. Um, what they've done is they've tied in an underbody with just a little foam tag that comes out the back end that sort of gives it um, a bit of buoyancy, not as much as you might expect with a booby, which can be, you know, fished across the top uh, in that top section of the water column, um, but just gives it a little bit more... Uh, a little bit more buoyancy and I think is probably really useful in those spots where you're trying to fish um, below the surface uh, but above perhaps weeds or things that are um, that are in those areas if you're looking to fish that. That's so. a conservative name for a fab because that's not how I know it as. Okay, well, what do you call It's it? a fat-ass blob. A fat-ass blob. Yeah, that's what it was always called in England. Right. Yeah, I think maybe Falling Mill might have changed the name because it obviously always had foam in the tail but it was always a fat-ass blob. Maybe uh, maybe that was just in my circle. I it don't could know. be a bit of political correctness. It could be, yeah, political <laughs> correctness by by falling mill. Does my does my fly does <laughs> 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 my fly look fat? <laughs> dressed like that, it looks uh, fat. Uh, yeah. but I think on those pressured waterways in England, a lot of people used to fish it under an, uh, an intermediate line single fly. So right. a single fly under an intermediate fly line, and it would just very slowly sink through the water column and you'd barely strip it whatsoever and fish would see that and I don't know, that would just be a trigger for them. Such a bizarre fly because God knows what it's imitating. I think there's a lot of reading we need to do on actually how to fish them and what makes them effective over yeah. there in the UK because mm. that... In the little bit of reading I've done, it, they seem to fit into a different category altogether of blobs, and in the way and different ways that they actually fish them over there. So there's definitely a, a bit of um, a bit of work we need to do. 
both in in researching it and actually getting out on the water and trying it and seeing seeing yeah, the best way so. to fish yeah. them. Yeah. You, were, you were saying today that they're incredibly popular. Yeah, they are a hundred percent. They are, yeah, especially in the UK scene at the moment. I mean, people can fish them all different ways, but I know that the guys that I know that fish in the UK, they fish a blob very differently than they fish a fab. Um, so a blob, they used to team like a lot with a booby. They used to do bob, blob and booby fishing together, and then a fab was always on their own. But these are just the guys that I used to fish with. There's hundreds of people that probably fish them a different way. Cool. Um, yeah, definitely. These these flies that you get from different parts of the world that you can experiment and try in our own local waters, it's uh, it's kind of cool, isn't it, that you can take a bit of inspiration from somewhere else and, and see how it goes and be the only one doing it. Cause, and I know, uh, I guess, the, a little bit of a secret to the success of Kyle and, and Scotty up there at, at Millbrook is those fish see a lot of flies and they're – they're trying different things all the time and keeping it fresh and keeping those fish guessing. Yeah. I uh, did hear that um, the blob became competition illegal and the way to get around that was to tie some foam in it and turn it into a kind of a dry fly and that's how the fab came about. So it was a way to sneak around some competition rules. I don't know how true that is though. Don't quote me on that. Is that something you've heard too? I reckon I have heard that once before. And yeah. it makes perfectly good sense, doesn't it? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> rules are made to be broken. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Except rules regarding fisheries, which we suggest you follow to a T. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Get a knock on the door tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, is that it for new products or is there other stuff? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, actually, well, the, you know, a bit hush-hush, but one of the um, the world's biggest fly rod builders – uh, is coming out with a new saltwater fly rod um, in the thousand uh, dollar category. So similar price to your Recon and your uh, Maverick. So new saltwater rod dropping in just a few days. We are. It's very discreet. We're not allowed to tell you more specifically about it. Um, all we know is that it is incredible as far as uh, being. Uh, great performance in that in that slightly lower price range. American made quality. Um, they are going to be hot. So when you do see our email out go out to you, if you're not a member of our um, our email list, do sign up online. You'll find the sign up form on the bottom of the page. Uh, you'll be first to know about these new rods and be one of the lucky few that gets one in Australia uh, before the rest of the world. It'll be a bloody busy day in the shop when they announce. When they announce these rods. It will, yeah. We don't have a whole heap coming, I'd say. First in, first serve. Not that we haven't been busy. It's been (laughs) incredibly busy the last couple of weeks, which which (laughs) is good. We like being busy. I like being busy. We've had a few people away, though. We have, yes. So Max has been been doing the work of three men so he's looking a little fatigued but it could be the three sets of tennis he played the other night too so we don't know it could be doing been doing a bit of cooking as well and i've got a bit of cooking to do tonight so um always entertaining this man and we're yet to try any of his food yeah he talked about it all the time i thought he would have bought something in well for the right price you can have whatever you like turn him up (laughs) Um, but you've been fishing though, Max, right? Well, I wouldn't quite call it fishing. I was in uh, the Otway Coast uh, on the weekend and uh, tried to fish Lake Parambit and uh, I should have bought my surfboard instead of my fly rod. <laughs> uh, it was just blowing an absolute gale, uh, so gave that a miss. And unfortunately, uh, the estuaries were very murky, very cloudy after a tremendous amount of rain up there. I mean, the water tables are just chock-a-block full and there is just water everywhere at the moment through that region. And I'm sure the northeast is the same. This is all good news. It's great to have all this water around. We're going to have a great season, but it wasn't good news in as far as the fishing was concerned. It's a good time of year to get rain. It really is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, means come spring, everything's going to be chock-a-block full. Um, yeah, it's just going to be so healthy. Everything looks so good. Um, Roscoe, you and I were up at Lake Hilden. What, what did um, Cam, we'll go into more detail, but Cam said something about it coming up 120 mil or something over 24 hours? Yeah, right? well, yeah, it was. The water was coming up a lot. Everywhere was soaked. Like the campsite we were staying in was just a 
bog. Um, the banks were, yeah, it was, everything was so muddy. I think I sent you a text message saying, don't bring shoes that you don't want to ruin. You did, yeah. Because it is... Bunstone yeah. boots got packed. Oh, yeah, because it was just so muddy everywhere. And all of the little catchments, every single gully was white water coming down them. And you could see the top of the catchment. It was amazing how much water was coming out of the hills. Yeah, and um, looking at the water in the lake too, just that suspended matter that's obviously being flushed in from those gullies it's really quite incredible to see isn't it it is and we did exactly the same trip last year um when the lake was probably below 50 percent. i don't know what it was but we were launching at a boat ramp you know a 10 minute drive away from the campsite where we were a two minute drive um you know because the water had come up so much it was incredible to see within a year how much water has actually filled that place is incredible and it will get to 100 percent yeah, so the northeast, you know, Lake Yildon catchment has had an unbelievable winter so far. Um, the rivers are going to be in just such good, good shape. You know, those waters that tend to maybe suffer a little bit with low water later in the season, it, it, you'd have to say it's bloody unlikely we're going to get that problem this this summer. So you'd expect everything's going to fish really well right through till March, April. And the Goulburn's been oh, high. Look, definitely. And the, the thing about all the rain too, it hasn't been, you know, sort of concentrated, you know, heavy, huge downpours that have created floods. It's just been constant rain keeping the rivers full so the trout haven't suffered through any, you know, trauma, through any floods. So they're just going to be putting on condition. In my view, I reckon they're going to be putting on some great condition on top of where they were last season, which was pretty damn good. A bit like Forbes Lindemann with his fat ass. <laughs> They've been in a very good paddock for a very long time. <laughs> with my fat ass blob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's no, what I'm I meant sure to say. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, Roscoe and I went up and fished with Cam McGregor of River Escapes there at Lake Hilden on Winter Cod. Um, despite having a bloody good time, it was fishless. It was, yeah. Um, I mean, we fished pretty hard. We got there Friday, fished until, I don't know, midnight on the Friday night. Went back, cooked up a few pizzas. Um, yeah, early start the next day for nothing. Uh, we saw fish. We saw fish on the active target. I mean, we're going to do a po- – we have done a podcast with Cam, so we're going to talk a lot about the technologies used now to try and target and locate fish. Uh, it's not a turkey shoot, though. You know, I think yeah, everyone's got to realise that just because you've got this technology doesn't mean you're going to catch fish, and, and we found that out firsthand. But we did target feeding fish, moving fish. There was fish that was paired up that we saw that were kind of tacking each other and um, had some great images on the active target of that, and we just had a ball didn't we we did yeah to me it was incredible to get that imagery of what's happening subsurface in a lake like Eildon and just seeing how much life is down there yeah how much bait it's insane like you it it really felt like you were looking at a salt water environment where there's always fish you know like around a reef or something like that but it it yeah, for a lake, it's just got so much stuff going on in there. You know? And the trout was insane. Like, the amount of trout that followed our huge cod flies. Like, if we were trout fishing, we could have, you know, we would have had a lot of fish. Yeah. Um, we saw trout rise almost all the time. Um, yeah, we saw a lot of trout activity. And Ilden's probably not a place that we hear about as being targeted by our customers. I don't think anyone is. Mm. I just don't think anyone it's is. It's an enigma. It's, it it's full of fish. The, you know, there are millions of fish in there, and it's not an easy lake uh, to fish. Yeah, for some crazy reason, one day we'll crack the code. Mm. Obviously, the conventional fishers have it pretty well wide with the lure fishing and trolling and that kind of thing for trout. Um, but in the water that we were targeting, more along the edges, you know, looking for cod, uh, you'd have trout show up on that that active imaging all the time time. yeah and yeah and then you're like oh there's a fly there's a fish on your fly it looks about as big as your fly you come close to the boat and there's like five pound trout following a you know 6-0 cod fly uh last year we did manage to get one of those big trout to eat um that was cool it was cool yeah on a 6-0 hook um and he hooked up and we landed it but um yeah obviously none of them fancied taking a meal half the size of the it's itself so and there are some shallow bays that you can fish if you don't have a boat too that you'll get fish cruising in as well 100 percent. a lot of fish rising when we were there um i don't reckon i saw anything that looked of much size rising but the moment there were a few midge around holy like 
Jesus, that is just unbelievable how many fish come up on them. We're constantly, there's constantly rising fish everywhere and we were laughing about it, you know. Mm. We, this is the best, you know, rise we've seen in months. I think that's the thing, like, you that, you know, I, my arm was starting to shake just with the, the thought of actually maybe trying to catch a few trout, which is what happens after you've been casting for cod for a long time and you know you may be getting a little sick of that and want to catch something that actually wants to eat (laughs) you start feeling a little sad yeah yeah just deep down in my loins a little sad (laughs) (laughs) um but you've got to commit to cod don't you you can't really expect that you are going to catch one without putting the time in so you can't be distracted by potential other targets but i'd love to do a trout dedicated trip there because i'm sure it would be good yeah a hundred percent yeah and chasing in clearly aggressive and chasing in those larger flies i mean the idea of one taking a 6-0 hook i mean that's damn near unheard of for me at least like but you know taking something like such a large presentation Cam's caught quite a lot of trout uh, with with clients guiding on on Eildon. Um, and yeah, it's definitely possible. And his theory was that he reckons people don't fish for trout properly in those lakes for, for on fly. And that's what he reckons. You know, he sees it all the time. And he's like, people just aren't fishing big, articulated kind of size one hooks for trout. I reckon it's just that cod, fl- you know, particularly cod fly fishers are bloody mad. Yeah, and they're the only ones up there at this time of year braving the cold. Trying yeah. to catch a big cod on a fly and rod. Boy, was it cold. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. cold and it was wet. Plus the other options, you know, like you've got Parambit and fishing so well, Tullaroop, all those waters. Um, the thought of maybe missing those and, and going to, to Lake Hilden is, is maybe just a, a bit, bit hard to make that decision. I don't know. You're looking very pensive there, Forbesy. Well, you've, maybe we'll do Peter and then we'll get to Forbesy as the piece de resistance. He's got so many stories. Yeah. Um, I went to Devil Bend Reservoir on Friday on the Mornington Peninsula. Uh, I planned to get there before sunrise, but I kind of got there at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, got Stole a float tube from the shop. Uh, sorry, Andrew, that's gone missing. All right, man, it was already dirty anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but as I said, got there at 10 o'clock, had a full sinking line on, and I tied up some bass vampires, but on a jig hook the night before. Um, fish for three hours for nothing, but I'm told it is a very good fishery when you're there on sunrise, but that was my key mistake, not being there on sunrise. Does love a sleep in this bloke. <laughs> Struggling to get out of bed, or what was? Yeah, struggling to get out of bed. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Can't elaborate. There's really been going R-rated podcast for sure. (laughs) Yeah, um, Forbesy's fishing's been a bit more exciting than mine lately. He's been up north terrorizing bull sharks on the fly or something Uh, like that. I don't know. (laughs) Tell us a bit more, Forbes. Yeah, no. Um, so I, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to head up to uh, Cairns and Port Douglas with my girlfriend and her lovely family. Um, spent two weeks up there sort of sightseeing. Nice thing to like say that. about the in-laws. Oh, it's because, you know, they're good people okay. and, and potential listeners of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I uh, yeah, no, I, I went up and spent a couple of weeks um, wandering around just doing the tourist thing and then it extended my trip uh, by, but for four days. I didn't really know how it was going to work out. You know, I, I was planning on going with um, a guy named Al Simpson. He's, uh, you know, a friend of the fly fisher and a, a, a mate of yours, Andrew, and you guys put me in touch and, and sort of we got, uh, we got chatting and I extended the end of the trip by four days hoping that at some point I'd be able to get a fish in in those four days because the weather's been pretty bad up there, very windy, and it's hard to get out onto the, uh, onto the reef when it is like that. And it turned out I... Just fluked great weather. So managed to get two days in, um, which was awesome. Uh, And, yeah, went out there and saw proper saltwater fly fishing for the first time. Uh, Really, really cool. Very special and and sort of, you know, even though Al said, particularly on the first day, Al was like, oh, you know, man, like it's, you know, it's been a bit of a quiet day, man. I was like, we've caught 40 fish. Um, <laughs> and and it was beautiful and scenic and, and just amazing. You know, we ran into a pot of whales and just all sorts of stuff. Like, what an, an incredible location to go and 
and do it when you are. What a great um, first taste of saltwater fly fishing, eh? I couldn't feel luckier. Um, yeah, it, it was awesome. Um, and some of the fish, you know, you, you think you're onto it. There were times I could have sworn I'd hooked a GT. I was sitting there freaking out. Oh, my God, the line clears, you're onto the reel, um, it's screaming, and then you pull it in and it's, it's 30 centimetres long. <laughs> I'm going, what is, what is this place? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was amazing. Really cool. I um, guess if you're a slow fish living in a saltwater environment on the Great Barrier Reef, yeah. you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you yeah. don't survive. You so these are, these are species that have evolved over so long to have that kind of power. Yeah, you, if you're going to be slow, you want to have a shell. Um, yeah, so it was just, yeah, it, it was awesome. Mm. Um, yeah, really cool and a massive shout out to Al. He was incredibly generous and, and took me out and showed me some amazing fishing. Um, and that guy's in a league of his own. It was just crazy to watch somebody that um, had so much of an idea and, and was out there in his element and, and fishing and his efficiency with the way that he fished and how hard he fished the entire time we were out there. Sitting there and he'd be able to spot, spot fish off the bow of the boat up to 50 metres and things like that. He'd be like, GT, 3 o'clock, that sort of thing. And I'd be sitting there and by the, t- you know, just trying to spot it myself, going, oh shit, where is this thing? What's going on? But he's, you know, he's just all over it. The man's like a hawk. Um, he is. I, like, I, I've loved my trips with Al Simpson because just watching him, he is the fly fisher that I aspire to be. Yeah. His fly is, is never where it doesn't need to be. It, it, it's always in the right spot. He makes the perfect cast with less fuss. Uh, and as you say, like he's got eyes like a hawk and he, he's constantly on the lookout. He doesn't miss anything. Yeah. If you see something, he's seen it too. Yeah. Yep. You know, like yep. he, he's just that level of, of fly fisher and just so in tune yep. with the environment he's fishing. I reckon he's a fish magnet, actually. I reckon there's no skill at all. They just come to him. They, they just come <laughs> to yeah. him. He just <laughs> whispers. No, no. Um, no, and, and just the, the efficiency, as you say, you know, his fly is in the water. He is fishing all the time. Mm. Um, and he just fished so hard. You know, we went out, we'd hop out there, get out on the water at, I don't know what whatever time we'd end up finally out on the reef and on the on the flats and whatever around seven o'clock whatever, um, and finish up at four thirty five and we sat down to move the boat or have a quick sandwich and then get back up and start casting. Um, just going for it clearly works for his fish and no it was amazing had a really really good time. Um, so yeah, I I think the saltwater thing is something that. I've definitely opened my eyes to, and yeah, I, I loved that. It was uh, it was really cool. Gets under your skin. Too right. Suddenly, you know why everybody's looking for a saltwater fly fishing trip once a year. Definitely, yeah. and so many great options in Australia as well, of course. Um, what? Uh, Where are we fishing next? I think. Are you done with the report? Peter, you're in charge? Uh, yeah, I am in charge. <laughs> Andrew, you're taking me fishing on Friday. <laughs> yeah, so Andrew uh, won't be in the shop on Friday, guys. Neither will I. <laughs> we've, uh, had, we've had no staff here for weeks and, and now Peter's trying to drag me away to go to Parambit. Yeah, well, the reports are still crazy from there. Not like, that I don't want to. I really want to be there. <laughs> but there's um, a job to do, you know. Yeah, we've got, we've got oh. mystery boxes to pack. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that'll probably be next for me, if we end up going, uh, if not, I'll probably fish a lake by myself on Sunday, just one of your Western Lakes, Newland, Tullerup, Hepburn, and then definitely off to the rivers once as soon as they open, as soon as I can get out there, if not on opening day itself. Uh, like a, a close one? Or are you going to do it at camp out or something? What are you going to do? Probably just do the close ones, go see my usual haunts first, uh, especially because I don't want to drive four hours to a river that looks like, you know, my big M I had with lunch. Um it's probably easier, you know, probably better to do that rather than put all my eggs in run basket and drive up to the midder. Um, what about you, Andrew? Where are you fishing next? Uh, well, hopefully Friday, Parambit with you. I'll, uh, I'd love to put the boat boat on Parambit and just have a bit of a look around. So that'll, that'll hopefully be. But if not, I promise in the next week or two, we'll do it. What if the fish aren't there anymore? <laughs> Tiger trout, you reckon they're all going to be? Tom Drama might catch them all. Power bait might catch them all, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Jarman lets them go. <laughs> so he tells us. Um, but opening uh, after work on Saturday, I am heading up to a mate's place on the Delatite and um, we'll stick around there Sunday, Monday. And 
have a fish, obviously, on the duller tide itself and um, hope to check out the Hauka too. So that'll be a bit of fun. Yeah, cool. Max, where are you next? Uh, possibly the Grampians over the next couple of weeks. I've got a friend who I haven't caught up with for a while who is very keen to go get out for a fish. So it might be Harcourt, uh, might be Tullarup, possibly the Grampians. Yeah, nice. You're a fan of those Grampians. Like, so I, lo- I love yeah. them. It is just so picturesque. Yeah, the it scenery is, so is beautiful. Good. And yeah. you, have, you have three amazing lakes all within sort of, you know, 45 minutes of each other. Uh, and uh, it's just a superb place to be whether you're fishing or not. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. And some good fish in those lakes. Really yeah, fish. big, like big fish. Yeah, there yeah. are big fish in there. And then possibly, in as far as the rivers are concerned, maybe I'll have a look at uh, what the tail races are doing earlier on in the season. Um, you know, maybe the king or the kiwa, if um, if there's a bit of buffering, you know, from, yeah, uh, nice. from, uh, from, yeah, from uh, the... Uh, from, What's the Constant rain. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so that might uh, do a bit of uh, edge fishing along those uh, those sort of rivers, but uh, I think I think we've got some good um, lake fishing to go, uh, still to go over the next uh, month or two. Yeah, can't wait. As well as, those, as well as those rivers, those Grampians lakes. Um, Belfield seems to be the one that just keeps going from strength to strength, doesn't it? I'm not talking about it. <laughs> There's no secrets on this podcast Thanks Max Belfield was very I don't know what happened a few years ago uh, Where there was a land Something happened and it, uh, it was just cloudy and murky for, for a long time And three or four years ago It cleared And obviously they stock it And the fish uh, The fish size you know, just has increased Incredibly over that, that period of time and it's become a really productive lake. It's actually a wonderful lake to fish. Probably the easier out of the, the other two, Fines and, and Wartook. What's easy about it? I don't know. I just catch more fish there. <laughs> <laughs> um, last time I was there, it was it was pissing down rain. And that clay, those clay banks, they're bloody slippery, aren't they? Oh, look. They <laughs> Word are. of warning for anyone. I probably wouldn't go there in a downpour because it's, no, uh, it's no. very hard walking. No, no, and I, I was there a few, three or four weeks ago and just further up from those clay banks, uh, there are some, it looks like flats, there's a lot of uh, sort of trees submerging the water, lots of little hidey holes and nooks and crannies where a trout could hide and waiting out was an experience because all of a sudden I found myself a thigh deep in quicksand. <laughs> so just watch yourselves, <laughs> just watch your footing over there. It was uh, it was it was a little bit uh, disconcerting. Yeah, and of course, uh, this is a, a water that's now allow, allowed to be be boated with yeah. an electric motor, mm-hmm. um, which is probably going to open up access again. And I guess because it is a rain, rainbow predominant fishery, yeah, predominantly rainbow. But we, there's just quite a few browns in there as well. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the boat and rainbows and that some of that deeper water, you know, I'm I'm sure the boat will be a huge advantage for oh, some. Oh, absolutely. Those. Absolutely. Yeah. Shore fishing's are great, but if you have a boat, you can go look for them. No question yeah. about it. Cool. Roscoe, where are you um, fishing, man? Well, uh, Harrison's got a couple – well, we've got a couple of trips in the works. He wants to get an early season snapper trip kind of planned in the next couple of weeks, and then he wants to go and chase some trout as well. Um, but nothing set in stone, not fishing this weekend. Uh, not that uh, you know, things can change quickly, though. But, yeah, um, yeah, so nothing – Nothing on the horizon. Well, there is a couple of trips on the horizon, but nothing planned. What about you, Forbesy? I'm so excited about season opening. Um, I've fallen in love with the lakes and have really, really enjoyed them this uh, throughout this winter and this season, but I just can't wait to be back out on a river. Um, so yeah, which one? I love it. Uh, where will I go? Yep, that's the question. That's a secret, Roscoe. Well, <laughs> you know, this is... No, so Forbes and I have our uh, secret, secret creek. Yeah, Smith Street. Smith Street Creek, yeah. Um, yeah, so we're... we're Your yeah. secret creek? Yeah. You haven't actually fished it. Really? So, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not a creek that I told you about. Yeah, but have you fished it? Of course I've fished it. Oh, sorry. How would I know where to go? <laughs> what I don't know, you do a lot of talking, but not a lot of fishing <laughs> these days. <laughs> the disrespect. 
Unbelievable. It, it, yeah, looks are being exchanged around the table right now for the listeners at home. Um, but no, we... More yeah. because Peter's spending the whole podcast on his phone. Yeah. We're not sure what he's doing. He, he's, but he's, maybe the, the, as the ASX not, had a bad day... He, he's, he's, <laughs> mate, the ASX has had a bad week. <laughs> it's he's, not been just at the podcast. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you looked at his screen time, folks, it's uh, he's been here for eight hours. He's been on, on the screen for five of them, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Snapchat, got to keep them happy. Yeah, Peter's <laughs> about to catch these hands. Um, no, it's, it's, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to getting out on the rivers, running um, water. Hey, be no, nice. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah, it's it's um yeah something I'm I'm just always keen to do, and it it always feels refreshing to be out there and do that. It does, you know. Like I think it's kind of cool. It makes you think a bit about your fishing on rivers too at this time of year when it could be high water. So there's like two dra- trains of thought, I reckon. Like. Uh, if it's clear, you know, like obviously it's going to be high, it's early season, a lot of those big fish might be in the lower reaches of some of these these rivers and if you're after bigger stuff, then it's a, just a bloody good time to target them. Um, but then if there's been a bit of rain, getting into the upper reaches, into some of these smaller creeks, it's still flowing clear. You know, those, those fish maybe haven't seen flies for a while. It, 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 it's good. And, and I think that that is some of the best advice that I think you have ever given me was to find those upper reaches. Funny coming from someone that doesn't fish, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's crazy. Like, I remember you and I fished this secret creek after an absolute downpour, Forbesy, yeah. and we went there and it was crystal clear. Like, we were sight fishing, basically, when we expected, you know. We are expecting milk. Yeah, um, literally. And, and one of those things, I mean, it, it's having to go out of your way. For those those sorts of um, those sorts of spots and be able to like do the hike and be able to find those spots and um, yeah find that clear running water. Um, that being said, may very well rock up there and find that it's mud. I mean, who who knows? You you don't know. Um, but it's about sort of going out and having a look, and I'm looking forward to it. I if think it, if yeah. it flows through a forest, the, the chances are it'll be it'll be reasonably clear. So that that's a saviour in those sort of situations where, they, where there's been a lot of rain. Yeah. I do remember last season open was similar to this. We had a lot of rain and uh, the technique of uh, sink tip lines in the US pulling woolly buggers in flowing water is not a technique that I'd heard of here for like 10 years. And uh, we sold a lot of heavy sink tip, like a lot of fast sinking sink tip lines at the start of the season for people wanting to use that US method. I mean, Alaska, those rivers are chocolate mud every single day of the week. Um, and that's how they fish them with heavy sink tip lines, and they get those flies down, and they pull them, pull them across the river. Yeah, that's definitely something I want to discover. Australia's meat eating trout, if they exist, because it's such a big deal overseas. Um, I want to see if it's the go here too. Well, mate, cancel any small stream oh, aspirations <laughs> for the start of the season because you need to be yeah, like now's big the fish time. River, yeah. Seriously, yeah. like those lower reaches, that's mm. when the big fish are there. Yeah, like the lower Rubicon yeah. looks perfect for it. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, mo- most of these, like the the lower Hauqua, uh, probably the, the lower Delatite would be good. Yeah, um, those arms are building. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but people get intimidated here. I think if they see a lot of white water and, and brown water, they don't know how to fish it. I mean, you can't fish it with a floating line. By the time you've hit, that's hit the water, it's you know halfway down the stream. That yeah. at least that sinking line pins that line into the water and gives you a longer time to fish a fly. The big river too. Yeah, you know, the big. Like yeah. If ever there's a river where you'd see the odd photo of a big trout and you're like, oh shit. Well, maybe yeah. that's where. That Why big am trout I not from? fishing that river more? It's the big. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, like it's you look at it on a on a map. Some of the access is difficult. So for those guys that are willing to go the extra mile, it's a, it is a water you can get into where where no one else really goes. Mm. For sure, yeah. Um, uh, flies of the week. So I've just been looking up the name of my favourite fly. Oh, is that what he's been doing? Yeah. Yeah. I was um, taking you five hours. <laughs> <laughs> Not your fly, girl. Have you found uh, it? Yeah. Um, yes, I found it. It is the Crossed Max. <laughs> I like boobies, but not. <laughs> um, the Crossan's mass attack from Fulling Mill. So basically, it's a stimulator sort of fly. It's got a bit of a fat ass too, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's yeah, that's, <laughs> it has got a bit of a fat ass. Yeah, it's got a bit of. Fo- it's a dry fly. It's got a bit of foam at the back, and it's tied on a barbless hook. Um, it was the first when I shopped at the fly fisher as a customer. It was the first fly I was recommended, and there's still at least 10 of them in my box these days. they got a little bit of high-vis in the post and that foam on the bottom, so even when you're running low on floatant, they still float 
in the most turbulent of water. They're fantastic. Howard Croston, one of the world's best competition fly fishermen, so it's uh, it's got that signature of approval the there too. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, what about you, Andrew? Oh, jeez, I was hoping that you well, come maybe to me like okay, Forbesy. Forbesy. Forbesy's got Forbesy. his one. <laughs> All right, and a story to it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Please, so, Forbes, tell oh, us a story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's creepy. Um, <laughs> so, no, no. So, um, yeah, as I mentioned before, I spent some time with uh, Al when I was up, Al Simpson, when I was up in Cairns, and he is Australia's flat wing guy. Like, he's a, a flat wing's a, 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 a tie that comes, a pattern that comes from um, over in the States. It's actually a sand eel imitation traditionally. And and you understand why when you look at it, it has sort of this bulky head on it and then these long, beautiful feathers that sort of trail off the back and they look sort of like the tail end of an eel. Um, And he has sort of mixed and matched and messed around with this fly and is incorporating some really cool old steelhead colors and pat- like patterns and stuff from his um time fishing in america back uh, america and canada and, and all of that um and and yeah i i think that's my fly of the week i i love it and, I, and to sort of see the way that um he's taken that pattern and he can imitate bait fish and 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 then also go and imitate uh, a calamari or, or go and imitate an eel and just go and depending on how you fish it and the colors you tie into it and what he actually made of it it's a platform for so much um and i just i thought that was really cool and i actually got to sit down and tie some with him and i yeah uh, that was pretty special yeah yeah that must have been magic mate is there a fair bit of technique involved to, to mastering it um so i'm sort of I, i've always enjoyed fly tying um he is a commercial tire. He does a fair bit of his own stuff. You can um, you can actually buy his flies. Uh, his name's Ketterfly on Instagram. I don't know. I'll just give him a plug. Um, but uh, he his attention to detail was exquisite. Like, it was crazy. We're sitting there and tying flies together, and he'd sort of have a look at his, and then he'd go over and have a look at mine, and he'd be like, see that hair right there? I'm like, oh, yeah, which one? And he's like, oh, that one right there. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yep. He's like... Trim it off. (laughs) I'm like, what? Trim it off. Trim it. And it's just, he ties these really, really nice, tidy looking flies. Um, And they're they're works of art that catch fish. Um, Yeah, I really admire what he's doing. I I thought it was awesome. Anyone that's a regular listener, he did a cameo appearance on one of our podcasts, right? He did up at Albany there. Yeah. And you went rifling through his fly box too, I remember. Yeah, I did. I had a good look. He didn't have a whole heap of flies in there, but he the ones he had in there were mint. You know, it was fly box was half full, but it was only full of good flies. Like, you know, you look at your fly box and there's flies in there you'd never tie on. None of those were in, no. were in his fly they're, box. They're all good. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're all good and experimental. Like, he's always trying new yeah. things. And know? we got some products in on his recommendation, right? Those flat wing saddles? We did. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Nice, big, long... Webby yeah. saddle I mean, feathers. you don't have to use them for flat wings. They're good for so many other flies, especially if you like your saltwater flies, if you tie marlin or sailfish, billfish flies. Cod flies. Cod flies, yeah. Yep. Anything big, um, they work. But, um, yeah, I think he mentioned a bit about flat wings in that podcast, if anyone wants to go back and listen to the Albany Island one. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, just super versatile. That's my fly. Excellent. Good, mate. Roscoe, your fly of the week. Uh, well, just because I'm going to stay on topic of what's going on, and we just got a whole box of them from Cam McGregor. Cam McGregor's Timber Toad. So, so it's a slightly fly. smaller than your normal cod fly, but it comes with a big profile and it pushes a lot of water. Um, obviously, he didn't invent that kind of toad fly, but he's invented his version of it. Um, plenty of stock in the fly fisher. And he's also done a black and purple version that we haven't had before. We've had the, the tans and the green, but now he does a black and purple and one. Purple, so yeah, purple seems to be yeah. the colour for That's, like predator fish. Yeah, but. I think he's tied it because um, the consumer has demanded that colour, yeah. but um, maybe it's not necessarily the case that it's the best colour. But they still catch his fish yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. 
I know the chartreuse one works. Yeah, it does. Speaking from experience. Yeah. I went fishing once, Peter. Did you really? (laughs) And I I caught a cod on one of uh, Cam's timber toads. Good to hear you got your first fish. (laughs) (laughs) Did you hold it or did somebody else hold it for you when you caught it? Did you use lip grips? I didn't even cast the rod. (laughs) My ghillie did. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now Andrew, strip this one back Uh, in. Cheeky little shits. (laughs) (laughs) Back to your fire of the week. Right, well... Just one this time. Oh, it's always yeah. just one, uh, <laughs> the one. Look, I'm going to keep on that traditionalist sort of theme and uh, and go with Mrs Simpson. Right. I hope Mr Simpson doesn't mind. <laughs> 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 just a wonderful fly. Um, really used these days, and including me, I just uh, they're in my fly box and I just really use it. But the last time I tied one on, I caught a six-pound brown with it in an impoundment so they work and they they move beautifully through the water so sometimes we forget about these old old old-fashioned flies but uh, they're very very um very successful it is funny i look at our our fly range today and uh two main categories of streamers there you got your your woolly bugger style big marabou Mm -hmm. tails and then you got your zonka style and you pretty much forget about anything else don't you but the matuka style or the you know the mrs simpson style uh, are a category that deserve equal limelight. No, nope, no, nope. it's because the fish have seen them too many times, and we need to keep <laughs> modernising our fly bags. <laughs> well, I think it's wonderful that we are. We do keep innovating, but uh, we've also got to remember that um, there's been some great innovators uh, in the past, well, and, and those flies. Yeah. They w- but they work everywhere, not just in Australia. They work in America. They work in you know, in Italy, in Germany. They're just amazing. Uh, Look at the Royal tires. Wolf. That's a traditional fly that has never gone out of fashion. Yeah. No. Definitely. Uh, Max, was the Mrs. Simpson developed in Italy? I'm not sure. But most good things are, right? Most things. <laughs> most of the finer <laughs> things in life. <laughs> yes. I'm trying to respond. All right. And moving on to my favourite fly. <laughs> um, my favourite fly. So we get a custom range of flies done in here um, that we brand under Tywell. And um, we just got a big shipment in. And part of that range is Scott Xanthalakis's micro flash nymph. So he does those, uh, they're basically tied with a hare's ear. And uh, we've got them available with both a black bead and a gold bead uh, in 12s, 14s, and 16s. Um, Scotty Xanthalakis, shout out to you, buddy. Uh, or oh, X Anthalakis. Yeah, there we go. X Anthalakis. Yeah, yeah. He's not a xylophone, <laughs> as he'll proudly tell me. I still think that's bullshit. It's Anthalakis. <laughs> but anyway, um, there's no pronunciation on, on a birth certificate, is there? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that that is an unbelievably good fly. Uh, little tungsten beads on them. Um, they are going to get the depth that I want for early season fishing, and they just seem to get eaten anywhere. Um, so Scott's micro flash nymph. And tied in Victoria for Victorian waterways. Tied in Sri Lanka. Well, you know what I mean. Designed <laughs> here. Designed here. <laughs> yeah. um, but beautifully tied by uh, girls in Sri Lanka and the Sri Lankans at the moment. Um, if we can pump a few dollars into their economy right now, then we will because they need it more than any. That's that's right. Very yeah. true. Very true. All right. Lads, anything else we want to share? Well, should we do that thing if you could teleport anywhere in Victoria? Do you oh, want to go yeah, around that's the, right. Do you want to do that? Yeah, let's Teleport, do that. hell yeah. I've always wanted to. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's All right, if you get. could teleport anywhere right this second to go fishing, <laughs> where'd you go? It'd probably be Parambit. Yeah, I'm keen to get there. Like, my Instagram feed is just Parambit tiger trout. I don't even, like, the fishing just looks hot. I don't necessarily want to catch a tiger trout. I just want that action back. And you're taking the boat with you? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. sick. Yeah, it's a water that just is opened up by having a, a boat. So, yeah, for sure. Go on, Forbesy. You're what? You're dying to go. No. Um, where would I go? Teleport. If you could teleport anywhere in Victoria, though. Mm, you go first. Oh, Your, what? Yours is oh my. Yeah, I'll go. All I right, can go. Go on, Ross. Okay. Well, we we got a bit of a report from Cam on kind of that like Malacuda area, and it just sounded ridiculous. Oh, yeah, good point. So I would love to go up there. He said it's still going on for a little bit. Those salmon runs. He showed us videos. It was insane. If you were at Bermagui and I found myself at Parambit, I'd have FOMO with you being at Bermagui. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, 
Maxi, where are you going next? Me. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I forgot how to speak for a second, guys. <laughs> had a, had a, got your tongue. Had a customer in who visited us a few months ago and he wanted to know a little bit about fly fishing and we had a bit of a chat about flies and uh, locations and he happened to go fishing on Lake Baltook. And he experienced what I experienced a month ago and that is a, quite a few fish. Um charging not quite sure possibly little little gudgeon little something along along the break wall uh at uh, at Wartook and it, it caught a few and it's it's a very visual sort of fishing uh very exciting and i was so pleased for him that he experienced that and if i could teleport myself i put myself right there right now awesome that smel- seeing smelting fish is truly an amazing thing. Are you going to teleport yourself to Parambit so you can fish with me? Yeah. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I am. Can we teleport together? <laughs> we can hold hands. <laughs> Bean me up, Scotty. Yeah. As long as it doesn't, doesn't break the, the teleporting machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Forbes, you've had enough time to think. All right, all right. I think I was struggling because everywhere I'm ex- like getting really excited for would be illegal to teleport to and fish at the moment. Um, but... I think I'm 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 actually pretty excited to go back and give Tullerup another go. Um, I think there are some pretty exciting f- like sight fishing opportunities there, um, and uh, yeah, I I want to go and explore that and see if I can get onto something more significant and and you know a better fish and hopefully in a better circumstance too, like catch it, see it. Cast to it, catch it, that sort of thing. Uh, apologies to our 10,000 listeners that are outside Victoria because we're probably pitching to hold ourselves a bit just talking Victorian well, waters that we'd love to go and fish. But which wasn't This was kind of designed to be a bit more of what's happening locally, right? I mean, we can expand yeah, that's that. that's true. Yeah. So maybe we can, we can extend it and we oh. can go anywhere in Victoria and then anywhere in the world. All right. Ooh, All right. That'd be interesting. Jeez, how long have we got? Yeah. Are we already up to an hour? That's Yeah, insane. we're a bit over time. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we're not going to do global. Yeah, maybe we can wait till next week. <laughs> Stay tuned next week, guys, yeah. for the new rod announcement. That's very exciting. I'm excited for it. I'm not Ooh. even allowed to know what it is. Uh, and, yeah, international fishing dream destinations of ours. Catch Excellent. you next week, guys. Cheers, guys. Hey.